Greetings, salutations, and welcome, listeners, to Season 3, Episode 14 of the Right Right Podcast, your weekly pep talk, but occasionally we go on four-month breaks on living the writing life. My name is Elon. I'm John. And I'm Craig. And today we are going to take a little bit of a step back from what we talked about last week. Last week we focused a lot on what it means to get back on the horse after uh, really sort of falling out of your own ability to get the things done that you want to do, whether it's, you know, accomplishing what you want at work or even getting things done in your personal life. It's just easy to lose track of things, uh, and it's easier still to judge yourself harshly for it. And we talked a bit about how to manage ourselves and be productive, but productivity is absolutely a double-edged sword, and as John was saying just before we hit record, uh, it can be dangerous to just pursue productivity for the sake of productivity. And so this episode, we're talking about self-care, and we're also going to be contrasting it with escape, um, because there are there's a fine line between self-care and uh, sort of this this willful refusal of personal responsibility and accountability. And, and and I'm not trying to accuse any of our listeners of either. I'm just saying that I think it is easy to conflate the two or it's easy to fall from one into the other rather quickly. Um, so I'd like to start by asking what self-care looks like to you guys um, in a world as overwhelming as ours and in a, in, in a space that's overwhelming as ours can be by choice. I mean, you both do a lot of things. Um, it can be very easy to become overwhelmed. Um, what does self-care look like for you when you have, you know, pen names and jobs and um, you're, you're, you both are doing a ton. So how do you care for yourselves? And I assign Craig to start. Sure. Uh, for me, I have sort of two aspects of self-care. One is that since, so to back it up a step, uh, so for listeners that might be new, um, I have a full-time day job. I'm a writer with multiple pen names, and I am the publisher at a romance publisher that I've started up, so I'm continually working. Like, morning to night, I'm working. Um, so self-care kind of goes in two directions for me, self-care slash escape. Uh, one is the five-minute totally mindless breaks. So I have my iPad and I have these games that require absolutely no thinking whatsoever. It's like trapping a ball in a box, and that's the whole point of the game. So every once in a while, just totally zone out and do that. The challenge is to only do it for five minutes, not two hours. So there's a mindless part to just clear my head. And the other aspect is to make sure I do things like reading just for pleasure, because I do a lot of reading for work. And so I've always got that uh, critical work brain going. So make sure that I read for at least 10 minutes every day just for pleasure. So that I'm getting that stimulation um, without it being work stimulation. Hmm. I could, How about you, John? I could add to that a little bit. I mean, I... I uh, I try to structure my workday, and it's it's kind of like the Pomodoro method. I don't follow the Pomodoro method, like because I think in that you know you have so many blocks and it's it's very formulaic. Whereas I just try to go 25 minute of focus and then four minutes break, and and on the four minute I do something mindless. Like I I have a 
I have a bar in the garage. I go and I hang from it to stretch my back out. So it's like a little mini goal. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's nice. just kind of a nice way to, I, I do that to balance out sitting for a, a lot of the day. Um, the other thing that I do that, I, and when I don't do this, I, I notice that I'm feeling that um, overwhelm and a lot of little hit, a lot of little invisible symptoms of uh, overworking. Uh, so I, I make sure that I take Saturday, Sunday, I try to unstructure those. I mean, I love writing and I'm so like, I, I don't know, it's like, it's kind of like breathing for me. So I still write on the weekends. And because I run this spreadsheet with other writers where we're all trying to track our time and be have writing streaks, it's addicting, right? I kind of want to I still want to write every day, um, but I find that that's not hard. What's hard for me is the kind of Monday to Friday structure where it's like, it's not just writing 20 minutes to keep my streak. It's like I have concrete goals and I have kind of a flow that I follow in the week and that's tough. It's sort of like a 10 hour period and that makes me, that lets me know that Monday to Friday it's work and then the weekend I can take a break. And so as long as, you know, I'm making sure that I'm, you know, socialize and do things like spend extra time in the garden or just do whatever, I find that balance really helps. Uh, and the, also the limit of 10 hours of, on a work day. That's, um, I actually have an app that has multiple timers in it. So one of the timers, when I start my day, I, it's a 10-hour timer. I, I let that count down, and what that tells me is when it goes, it says, you're on overtime, buddy. Come on. <laughs> and it's, it, yeah. it really works. Having that concrete thing, if it's not there, my instinct is, like, if I'm in the middle of the day and I, get, I fall into, like, a Twitter conversation, when the timer's on, it's like a little voice in my head saying, come on, back to work. And I will just close the phone and throw the phone on the other couch or something and get back to work. And so it's kind of nice because I know I've only got that time. And I find when I don't have that time, I will just be like, ah, it's fine. I'll, and then I end up working in the evening. So, so that's kind of yeah. some of the tricks that I use. <clears throat> how, how rigid would you, would you say your, your self-schedule is? Like, I know that you guys split up your, your time into these blocks. Do you, do you say to yourself, like, okay, at 1 p.m. I have a 25-minute block that looks like this? Or do you say have that post-it that you mentioned last episode mm -hmm. with your goals and you say i need to dedicate two 25 minute slots to that so i'll put that like i'll put them somewhere in the day but like you know there's things like for instance for uh for one of my upcoming classes i have to i have to read like uh i think i have to read like 12 books the first semester and i'm also there are several movies and tv shows that i have to watch mm -hmm. it's a lot of reading but like it might it might be the kind of thing where like uh, if, if I watch Silence of the Lambs at night, will I spend too much time pontificating about it later with whoever I'm watching it with? Should I plan to watch that earlier in the day? Mm. Like, there's a lot of things that for me are sort of more organic decisions. Yeah. Like, you know, I got some time and it's a beautiful day. I don't want to sit in and watch a movie. I want to go out and do something X, Y, and Z. Like, how rigidly do you schedule yourselves? Mm. I'm going to jump in first because I have the easier answer, I think. Uh, so I do, I'm do. i not that rigid with my scheduling. I tend to look at my time in terms of the week. So 
this week I want to edit these projects, I want to publish these projects, and I want to write these projects and get to a certain word count. And so I've got that in my mind throughout the week. And so when I've got a pocket of time before work, at lunch, after work, in the evening, on the weekend, then I try to work through that mental to-do list. So it's a bit organic. John does something completely different. Yeah, I mean, and part of that is we have different time structures because Craig has has a office job where he has a fixed schedule there, uh, whereas I have no structure whatsoever. If I don't set some structure, um, nature will take its course, you know. It, and I mean, you'll, if you're I, doing the Elon method at that point. <laughs> well, and it, I, I want to just call that the human method. I think it's all our default. Fair enough. We, we kind of it is it is more natural to just get in the flow of things, and that's why I think productivity is can be it can be a double-sided sword, where or double-ended sword. You know, double like edged. What? Double-edged. Double-edged. Okay. I'm going to have a little quick <laughs> tangent here. I, when I say double-ended, I thought I've, I've read that where the idea is you try to grab this end and it's actually also the point. I think it's double-edged as in it has two cutting This sides. is a Robert can, Jordan thing. It can cut, well, it can cut uh-huh. you as easily as it can cut your opponent because there's an edge facing you and your opponent. Right. Um, I'm... As opposed to like a samurai sword, which is a single edge, which which is what a lot of the Robert Jordan swords were designed after. Yeah. I, like the heron marked blades were all uh, very much like samurai. Anyway, that's... Uh, huh. Come on, Craig, read all of the Wheel of Time. I feel like, this, I you know, this tangent is so <laughs> on track because we're a writing podcast so in our thinking, heart. <laughs> were you thinking like that double-sided oh lightsaber, <laughs> but don't. in sword version? Oh, I don't know what well, I'm thinking. When you, when you cut that lightsaber in half, it's just two lightsabers. I'm just, lightsabers have infinite edges also. I'm just thinking uh, if right? this was yeah. like writing, this would be an uh, editor thing. It's where I'm glad writers have yeah, editors. But, <laughs> Although I've actually thought about this in the past, like when you look at the way the lightsabers look in the old movies, they kind of made the the graphic the the, the CGI look like a blade, like it has sort of a flatness to it. But in the later films, it's a cylinder. It's like a cylinder of controlled light, and it makes me wonder, like, what the original idea for the way the lightsaber was supposed to function was because like if you can't make a blade of light, you can't make a lightsaber. But like, I imagine that it's significantly more of a technical challenge to create a like a flat blade of light than to create a cylinder of light mm-hmm. anyway productivity <laughs> the um now what do i normally <laughs> a lot of times when i get challenged on a word like like say this was a story and you were editing it i'll just completely i'll just make a different metaphor <laughs> Because I realized, totally. hey, uh, it's easier confusing. to do. <laughs> so productivity can be poison. It's it's a double-ended blade is one that has no hilt. Ah, yes, and that okay. So back to where we left off. Um, productivity. Some people like double-ended things like that. <laughs> that would be for an explicit podcast, oh, not this one. <laughs> I I've, I'm giving you a topic for your deep desires podcast. My friend. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and in the spirit of what we're talking about, this natural tendency to go with the flow versus stick with the schedule, you know, like it, we're demonstrating right now how our nature is to just kind of free flow, right? And then when you have a structure, it helps, mm-hmm. but you don't want to be too 
like uh, like this was kind of a fun conversation but if we were all yeah. restricted and like i like how you asked the question like how rigid am i that's how this whole little what this discussion has come out of like for me i make i kind of i do it in a queue and i try to go through it in order but it doesn't always work out and so i'll you know the way i look at it is this is my goals for the day and a lot of i, I want to say most days i never get the whole list done and so i leave the list on my desk and the next morning i make the next one and i just let the stuff flow onto it and i'm like so it's more yeah. of a, this is the ideal it tells me what i'm shooting for and i end up getting way more done than I would if I had no list, um, but it's not like uh, if I don't get things done in this order or if I have to improvise, it's a failure. And I I still do. I have some days or even at some weeks where I struggle with that, and so it's like I kind of have to be, I have to keep on top of it. It's sort of like if you've got bad eating habits, you can fall into them. And you have to, you yeah. have to stay on top. It's like honestly, that was... that's a really interesting uh, <clears throat> segue for me because so I've been I've been eating vegan. I would say I've been eating vegan probably like ninety nine percent of the time. There are times when I've flexed out of it for convenience sake, but the reason why I started eating vegan wasn't because I had a moral calling to do so or because I thought that my choice was going to change the world because I noticed that I was not eating well and I needed more structure. Like mm -hmm. I was just eating poorly all the time. Mm -hmm. And by removing a lot of the choice that I had mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I can't eat a burger every day for lunch mm -hmm. because burgers are not vegan. So I will have something else instead. I started paying better attention to what I was eating and when I was eating it. Yeah. And I found that it really worked for me and it was absolutely a deliberate choice to reduce options because uh, I tried vegetarianism and I couldn't stick with that for some reason. I just found that it wasn't extreme enough of a change. Um, so by switching to eating vegan, I, you know, I cook mm -hmm. now. I didn't used to cook ever and I cook now pretty, pretty frequently. Um, and that's a direct result of reducing choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's interesting though that you said that, you know, um, because yeah, that was a terrible eater mm -hmm. and I'm much better now. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good stuff. analogy. I think it's a good analogy. Replace uh, eating with working, how you work and how what you or choices you make in the day. Uh, yeah. uh, we, I think, well, for me, the one that uh, the one that's probably there's a there's a pattern to it is my phone. And I have learned mm -hmm. to banish my phone in a hundred different ways. It's sort of like, know thy enemy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I have left my phone away, I notice I do much better. Yeah. And but I find it so hard to to say no to that shiny mm -hmm. box of joy. I'm like, oh, look at all these things that have installed. One of them makes your face look stupid. Actually, a lot of them do. Um, Yeah. But like the reward is not commensurate with the investment mm -hmm. um, that it asks of you. And that's by its design, uh, because it's designed just like, you know, donuts and french fries f are designed to prey on certain systems in our bodies that make the reward feel so darn good. Mm. Um, and it takes a conscientious effort to deny the easy temptation that it represents. 
Uh, fortunately, there are vegan donuts now, and because it's vegan, that means it is healthy. That is a one-to-one relationship. Um, vegan donuts... I mean, what about a donut isn't vegan? It's... Anyway. Uh, it's very, very easy to fall prey mm-hmm. to the temptation of, you know, whatever is going to be that easy thing. It's also very easy to uh to not give yourself the requisite break mm-hmm. um to not give space that you need to be a person you know uh mm-hmm. self-care mm-hmm. means not holding yourself to standards of personal accountability that are impossible for you so when you say you know uh john that you have a long list at your desk but that you, but that it's not something that you live by as if it's you know a, a sword at your neck uh, and that you don't always finish everything that's on the list, that's really essential because that is a sort of um, micro-care that you that you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like there's a difference between the kind of self-care that is taking the, the break that you need, taking an hour to just kind of veg out or have dinner with your friends or whatever. Those are essential to living a life that is uh, rewarding because those are the experiences that that make a huge difference to all of us. And I'm not going to, you know, unilaterally say that that's true. Some people experience things differently, but I think that taking a break that represents that for you is essential. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are acts and actions and choices that you can make and take every single day as part of your self management regimen that constitute acts of self care, like not holding yourself too rigidly to a schedule, not uh, giving yourself a hard time for going off topic. Um, but understanding also that self-care also means a tiny bit of self-tough love. Like, don't just let that tangent mm-hmm. rule the day. Say, cool, I went on a tangent. I should get back to what I was doing, though. Like, it's it's yeah. about finding a delicate balance with yourself, about treating yourself yeah. with respect and kindness and saying, I will be nice to myself for going on that tangent about swords. I will also be respectful of the group that I'm talking to now and the group that I hope listens by saying, we're not only going to talk about swords for the rest of this podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can do that for yourself by saying, you know, I really wanted to finish that thing and I wanted to do that writing, but I really just need like 30 minutes outside listening to music. It's going to just make me feel a lot better. That's an important thing to know. It's also important to say my 30 minutes are up and I should probably go back inside and get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. It sort of um, reminds me of, um, you know, in martial arts, you're always you're always finding moves and counter moves and then counter moves to the counter moves. Like it's, it's just those fine, fine nuances. And I feel like self-care versus productivity uh, is like a, the dance between these two opponents. Yeah. And uh, the more you, it's it's a process. You don't just magically fall into a system. You just have to learn, learn as you go, and love yourself. Be patient with yourself. That's the biggest thing. If you don't have that as an underlying foundation, then you can really just drive yourself uh, to become this sort of fire breathing dragon, <laughs> <laughs> and, where no one messes with your productivity. And it necessarily <laughs> can't be something that is permanent right like because it it reacts to changes in your circumstance you can't be like well this is the balance that's right because the amount of things Mm -hmm. that you have to do is going to change week by week day by day the Mm -hmm. types of responsibilities are going to change the 
the types of social responsibilities and personal responsibilities and responsibilities towards your pets and partners and loved ones and government, whatever. Everything is going to always be mm-hmm. fluctuating. And so you have to be fluctuating alongside it. You have to be fluid with your response to the world around you. Um, mm. And one of the things that I've noticed about myself since I came back from the uh, residency at, uh, at Western, where I'm currently a grad student, um, was that I, I knew that I was at risk for falling into a series of bad habits when I came back, because I knew that with a completely open schedule, I was liable to like sleep until noon and then be like, oh my God, now I have to do everything. And it's just, it's just, it was just going to be an unhealthy thing. So I made a deliberate choice to, to do a few things as soon as I got back. I wanted to paint one of the rooms in the house. I wanted to start planning certain shelving things. I wanted to get to work. And that first week I was on it. And then as soon as that first weekend hit, I was off of it. And I've been off of it since. Um, and that's something that's really important to acknowledge. Uh, and still to, to be kind to myself about it and be like, you know, it happens. And uh, now we're going to get back to, to work, guy. It's time to get back to work. Because mm-hmm. uh, damn it, I want to get back to work. I have an enormous pile of books that I want to read before my semester starts. Uh, because then it's just going to be books for school. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know. I feel very, um, invigorated by talking to you guys. I always do. Um, so, so I appreciate your, uh, presence and, uh, and we are just after we're about 22 minutes. We're a teensy bit over. Uh, does, does either of you have anything to add about self-care, about escape, about, um, being, being a, a, a person in the world who is handsome and thoughtful. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I did want to. Uh, well, I've, sure, I'm handsome. Of course, Craig jumps in. Because <laughs> yeah. um, both of you are talking about uh, comparing self care and routines to food and dieting. And it's also important to remember that, like dieting, if you do have that day that totally escapes from you and you waste it with self-care slash escapism, that doesn't mean that you failed and it doesn't mean that you should just give up on your productivity because it didn't work. That just means the next day you try to get back in the positive habits. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I want to add, this is sort of a total counter, uh, just a very different um, thing out of left field. Tara Brock. She is a leading voice in Western Buddhism. She has a podcast. If you just if you type in t a r a b r a c h dot com, if if you go into your podcast app and type in Tara Brock, you, it should come up. She's just got this message of comp- it for me. I I'm sort of always pushing, trying to learn more. So that's my podcast stream. I added her in, so I I. I catch up on her episodes and it is like the counter voice to all these you know improve 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 voices she's just like got such a message for just getting in touch with what you are outside of what you think you have to be and these sort of deep meditation mindfulness i think that if especially if you're getting into productivity something like that really helpful i love her message balancing the chase for the productive with the introspective, I think, is crucial. Um, and one of the things that I have noticed about mm-hmm. myself, just as a final thought before we close the podcast, is that um, I felt myself slipping most clearly 
and and I've realized that that coincided perfectly with when I stopped meditating. Um, I stopped having a daily meditation practice, mm. and after that fell through, everything started to fall apart. And I'm not saying that meditation is a silver bullet. I'm just saying that for me, it was a place and a time where I got a chance to quiet everything down, focus, and prepare myself for the t- for the task of being a person during the day. And without that time, I felt it very difficult to regulate myself, my reactive self, my emotional self. And as a result, everything started to be more difficult from, uh, as I said before, from eating regularly to getting work done. Um, and so for me, this, this notion of introspection and meditation is intimately tied with being a productive person. So uh, I, I love that you said that, and I will include Tara Brock's uh, link to the podcast in our liner notes. Um, and with that, we are five minutes over. So thank you very much, podcasters, for joining me. Uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us, and we will see you next time. <laughs>